Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Sunday at Bethlehem, a podcast created to go beyond the Sunday service experience at Bethlehem Church, exploring some of the deeper questions of our faith, offering additional content from behind the scenes from the cutting room floor. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Angela Buckland, and as always, I am beyond excited to host today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to Beyond Sunday. I'm pumped about today's episode. Today, Kevin, Shane, and I are joined by a very special guest, Pastor Ted Cunningham, who recently led our church's marriage night event. Ted is the founding pastor of Woodland Hills Family Church in Branson, Missouri. He and his wife, Amy, have been married for 25 years and have two children, Corinne and Carson. He is the author of Fun Loving You, Trophy Child, and Young and in Love, and co-author of four books with Dr. Gary Smalley, including The Language of Sex and From Anger to Intimacy. His most recent release is A Love That Laughs. He's a comedian on the date night comedy tour and a frequent conference speaker at churches and events across the country. We are so honored to have Ted Cunningham with us today on Beyond Sunday. Ted, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having yeah. me. So Shane and Pastor Kevin are here. We're, uh, we're going to ask some questions. Now, I, I hope I gave you a good intro. What did I miss? Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my wife and I started Woodland Hills Family Church with Dr. Gary Smalley. Wow. It's been 21 years now. And uh, I've been talking to our church, uh, you know, about my succession plan. We've been having fun with it because I said, there's two ways for a pastor to go out. We can go out like spoiled milk or with a sheet cake. <laughs> and I said, and I want the sheet cake. Yeah. And so it's almost become a core value at our church because I hear people saying it now, like, well, we, I want the sheet cake too. <laughs> and so we're talking about what it means to, to finish well, what it means yeah. to disciple people, to bring them along. So uh, we have a teaching team at our church. I'm grateful for um, four other uh, teachers, preachers that uh, I, I speak about 30 times a year. Uh, on Sundays, yeah. you get to lead that team. And I tell people, I'm going to be 50 next year. And my greatest joy is being at church on the Sundays I'm not preaching. And so I, I don't know, I think I'm supposed to be a campus pastor. That's what I'm trying to figure <laughs> out. Uh, I, hear I, just, it's a good gig. I enjoy when I don't have to keep an outline in my head and I can yeah. be in the lobby and just be around people. And just be so a part I, of the church. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I've, I've told our church after the sheet cake, I'll go take a a cruise or two, and I'll come back and die in the pews. That's our plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a good plan to me. I think that's that's great. So what led you in particular? So you're you're a founding pastor, pastor of a church. What led you to your heart for marriage ministry? Yeah, so I went to Liberty University, political science major. Me too. Yeah. Political science. Really? Yes. Yeah. School of <laughs> Business and Government. I I I took the <laughs> I got a uh, an esteemed internship in Washington D.C. with the U.S. Senate Republican Policy Committee, and uh, at the exact same time started dating Amy. Mm -hmm. When I got that invitation, and I declined going to D.C. because if I knew I did that, I wouldn't be able to date Amy on the campus of Liberty. So, with that uh, moving away from politics and mm -hmm. starting to date Amy. The Lord called me into ministry. Mm -hmm. I was an associate pastor in a church just outside of Valdosta, Georgia. Yeah. And the pastor was single. I was married three months, with, which made me the expert on <laughs> yes, marriage in the course. church. And so whenever <laughs> there came a moment he needed a marriage message, 
22 and a half year old Ted Cunningham stood up there and with authority <laughs> preached I to love that it. Uh, established congregation how to do marriage. And then I went to Missouri and we uh, started the church. And I, I just, I always had a passion to help couples. And, and then God brought Dr. Gary Smalley mm. into our lives, into our marriage to be a, a mentor, to be our first elder at our church. And, you know, Gary was moving into the sunset years of his ministry. Uh, didn't like the idea of doing all five sessions of a marriage seminar anymore, or dare I say, write the whole book. So mm -hmm. he invited me along to help work on chapters with them and speak a session or two at events. And yeah, and so it just, and here we are 21 years later. So That's cool. I'm seeing something that happens to maybe a lot of us. Like we, we kind of get into something maybe because it's out of convenience but then, or, or it's just kind of the natural Or we're told path. to do it. We're told to do it. <laughs> at what point did you start to see like, well, I really have a passion for this. Did, yeah. Like at what point did it start to grow into a passion for you? Yeah. I, I think when you start to see uh, results and, mm -hmm. and it's not what we're all about, but yeah. whatever God's called you to do, whatever your passion mm -hmm. is, you know, you're going to go home at the end of the day going, I, I made a difference and, and the Lord used me in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I tell our church all the time, I'm, I'm not a visionary. I'm not one of these visionary pastors. I mean, we meet in an abandoned theme park 21 years later. <laughs> and I remember walking a bunch of guys from our church and community said, we should think about meeting there. It's an unbelievable facility and it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. uh, but my first time on the campus, I said, this will never work. Yeah. I love to tell that story because it shows you how much vision I have. Uh, <laughs> so I, to be able to say what you're not good at and what you are good at right. and to just know, I just like getting up every day knowing whether I'm coaching or counseling one couple mm -hmm. or creating something that can help more than one couple. I just, mm -hmm. I go home at night fulfilled and knowing I was created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for me to do. And, and I want to walk in that. That's awesome. So it's, it's, um, it plays a big part to enjoy it too, right? Enjoy what you're called to do. Like, I think I go back to thinking like, um, what I do here and it was something I just kind of fell into the mm -hmm. pastoral care. And because when I was in college, I thought the last thing I want to do is weddings and funerals. I want to dodge them. And that's probably what I do the most of, yeah. uh, and Kevin and I, but like when you find out you enjoy something and it doesn't feel like work sometimes. Now yeah. I know you do you do yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, we I'm grind. Everything can be a grind. Yeah. 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 But would you say the enjoyment piece of it is like, oh, maybe I got something here because yeah. I really enjoy doing it. Oh, by far. Yeah. I think uh when when God calls you and, and your personality and your passion and your giftedness all comes together and you're walking in that. And I think that's why I think we just say someone asks us to do it or tells us to do it. Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of times it's because they see something in you mm -hmm. and you're just, it, it's one of the cautions I give guys going to seminary, to be honest with you, because I don't fit the mold of the seminary that I graduated from. You know, they had a very specific way to preach and a very specific way to do this and a very, and I pretty much am opposite, opposite, opposite. <laughs> and I, I, and not that that was a wrong way, but it was a way mm -hmm. of doing it, but right. not the only way. And I see, I see a lot of folks in ministry from serving as a volunteer in the church to leading in the church. Sometimes they do what they think, you know, is the only way to do it or what they've seen someone else do, but it just may not be you. Mm -hmm. right. And when you're, when you're serving as God's equipped you and called you, 
uh, there's just such a freedom in that. And that's why, like, as a church, when, when people show up and visit our church and they come up to me and they're like, you know what, would be, this church is so awesome, but you know what would make it even better, right? And they give you the two <laughs> or three things. It's like, well, you're describing the church that you just left. Yes. So yes. Why, <laughs> why, <Preach> it. <laughs> why are you wanting to turn this into that? And, yeah. and again, God uses different people, different churches to reach different people. Right. right. That's good. So how did you, when did comedy become a part of it? Or has it always been no, just the heart? You know, people ask me, when did I, because I'd never, I when just did wanted. You get funny? When did you get funny? No, <laughs> I just wanted, like, when I was introduced or when somebody would put something on a poster, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, pastor, author. I, I was reluctant to take that comedian title that people love to put on it. I didn't want it until I was at an event about six, seven years ago where they hired a comedian. They wanted me to come in and just do like a marriage message, but then a comedian to open with. And he bombed. Like it was oh, bad. No, it no. was really bad. <laughs> and I was like, and the pastor sits down next to me. I forgot what church it was. And he, he leans over and whispers in my ear, please save this night for us. <laughs> please save this night. No pressure. And I, I got up and, and he came afterwards and said, why do we need to hire a comedian? And all, com all comedy is. A comedy, if you're going to measure it, is three to five laughs a minute. And so uh, if, you know, sometimes I'm asked to do comedy. Most places I go, churches want a mix of both. Yeah. Yep. Uh, some churches I go to, the senior pastor gets up and spends five minutes explaining to the congregation why laughter is okay. <laughs> and, and, and he'll start with, oh. what we're about to do here tonight, God is okay with. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes you're going to want to hold back because you think it's too much. Just go ahead and laugh, and we will redeem the sanctuary later. Uh, <laughs> So I, I have found kind of just the blend of comedy and content. Yeah. But then, you know, sometimes I've been invited to places and they say, we just want the comedy, feel no burden of content. Mm. Yet they're still going to get content. Right. And yeah. it kind of comes in the side door. And right. so I love I love using humor and comedy because it just helps people absorb truth and yeah. takes the guard down a little bit, especially with a yes. topic like marriage. Yes. That's uh, when you said take uh, kind of lets the guard down. It disarms people yeah. so that they're able to kind of, when you do come in with that serious moment, yeah. they're able to receive it better. I actually have a theory, too. I believe most pastors could be a comedian. I agree with that. Yeah. I've actually thought the same thing. The, the problem yeah. I experience, I say I, we experience with pastors trying to be funny, is they wing it. Yeah. They write their sermon. They, they write everything, and they plan everything out in a sermon. But when it comes to the funny stuff, they're mm -hmm. just like, oh, we'll see what happens. Nope. Yeah. Comedy is every bit the discipline uh, as yes, a sermon is. for sure. So can uh, can I ask you a, a marriage? I've been in a couple of your conferences and breakout sessions, um, different places, and I know you're a fan of uh, couples marrying at utter, uh, an early age. Yeah. And you probably get both sides of the coin. Like, can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah. I, I, I Those are my favorite emails to get from a mom that, <laughs> that tells me, Hi, Pastor. I'm kind of hoping you changed your mind on this because uh, right. their son or daughter read Young and in Love. Um, my passion is not to help young people rush into marriage. And sometimes that's they have a hard time understanding the difference. I'm for avoiding the unnecessary delay of marriage. I got you. I'm uh -huh. for yes. a 22 year old not being afraid of marriage because that's that's where we're at today in this culture. Yes. Young people are going. It didn't work for my parents. It didn't work for this friend over here. So that's mm -hmm. probably going to be the case for me. They married young, and that's why they divorced. Listen, age didn't have anything to do with it. 
Uh, it's what you do after you get married. And, and so I try to paint this beautiful picture of marriage for young people. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not a, hey, rush into marriage. Right. You should get married as quick as possible. It's right. a, you know, don't be afraid of it. Like, you can lean into this. You can get married and grow up together. Mm-hmm. You know, we live, our country right now, the last research I've seen says 15 million homes in the United States of America has grandparents raising grandchildren. Yeah. Wow. And the struggle that I have, if you, if we keep delaying marriage like we are in our culture, and then after delaying marriage, we delay children, we're pretty soon going to be in a, a place where we won't have grandparents. Because, I mean, we're, I mean, we all, we're blessed, I think, most of us in this room to grow up with grandparents in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if you wait until your 40s to start your family, right. you're not going to have the grandparents like we did when our parents started in their 20s having families. So that's, that's right. the sociological reason for, for young marriage. Uh, but, and we can get into all the benefits of marrying young, but my passion for it is just, I go on college campuses and I see young people delaying, I call it the, the college delay or the education delay. I need to get my degree. I need to get my, uh, you know, my master's degree. Everything lined up. Yeah. I need to get the right job. I need money in the bank. I need, uh, the spreadsheet, the, the pay. The 10 year plan. You know, so what we've done is we've, uh, you know, we in our culture have accelerated childhood milestones, zero to 10 years old. We tell our kids, run, run, run faster, faster, faster. You need to grow up. And then at 10, 11, 12, when the engines that have been placed in them by almighty God kick in individualization mm-hmm. and separation, they're pushing away from mom and dad, becoming little adults. That's when we move from accelerating childhood milestones to delaying adulthood milestones. That's, That's interesting. Good. And we tell our kids, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. You don't need a full-time job. You're only 27 and a half. You should slow this thing <laughs> way down. And, and the, the, struggle, the struggle there is that, and that's prolonged adolescence, right? right. Prolonged adolescence defined as too much privilege, not enough responsibility. Ooh, yeah. mm-hmm. And so for me, it's, uh, I'm doing more than one adulthood milestone at a time. And the five adulthood milestones that we're talking about are leave home, finish school, get a job, get married, start a family. We've trained our kids today that you only do one of those at a time yeah. when everybody yeah. in this room is doing multiple, multiple. milestones, right? We That's have exactly jobs, right. we have families, we have to provide. Yeah. And so I, I don't want them to, to see while we're married. <laughs> yeah. Not to see those milestones as so linear. Like right. you got to do this one and give it a lot of time and. And so it's good. That's really that's really what the church I think needs to do a better job of. Even when we're preaching teaching on marriage, you know, we always say something to singles, but we also have to remember there are little ears in the room listening. Mm. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not telling them to rush marriage. We're just painting a beautiful picture of it. This yeah. is something you should mm-hmm. look forward to. I love that. That's yeah. such a good to not be afraid of it. To not be afraid of yeah. of being married young. And um I think you mentioned at some point that there's something to a young married couple um, failing together, Growing. working it out together, like growing together. There's power in that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just like one who's been through divorce knows the financial devastation of that. Yeah. Uh, when right. you begin building a life together in your early or mid-20s, I mean, we, we have the research that shows how well off you are, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not just relationally, but financially. Uh, and just a, a, a more long-term security. Uh, so yeah, not yeah. to be afraid of it and to realize you can build something together. That's good. I think building something together is a key too, because yeah. there's like, we always go with the picture of, we want to put, for young couples, we want to put a tool belt on them, 
And we want to cram it full as many tools as we can to help them be able to have the best marriage possible. Because mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't get that, that training along the way sometimes. Um, and then we find 10 years later, 15 years later, we're putting those tools in their tool belt that they should have had or should have been working on. Or maybe they did have and they never bothered to pull it out and use yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that whole, as you're going, we're going to keep training you yeah. to work through this stuff. Yeah. So you talked really, you, you gave a really good understanding of kind of the struggles that we see that keep people in that prolonged adolescence, sort of the mentality that's there. But what are some of the primary struggles that you see in marriages within the context of marriage today? Well, I think the broadest uh, umbrella for this would be drift. Hmm. So, hmm. you know, we've, we have a lot of myths with marriage. We believe that, um, you know, finding the right person. So a good match guarantees outcome. Yeah, happily ever after. Yeah. Yeah. Good match does not guarantee outcome. A good match is a good start, mm-hmm. but it's not mm-hmm. a guarantee of a thriving marriage. But we believe if I find the right person and we're in love, then compatibility <laughs> will be easy. Yeah. Automatic. Mm-hmm. I tell people the Hebrew term for that is, <gasps> it's, it's not true. <laughs> because two becoming one, that takes a lifetime. Uh, yes. A friend of mine in marriage ministry says, over the course of your marriage, you're going to be married to five to seven different people. Wow. Because the seasons and stages of life change us. We're not promoting polygamy here. No, <laughs> we're saying it's the same person. Same person. Personalities. But children change you. Jobs change you. A pandemic will change you. Mm-hmm. Empty nesting will change you. When your physical health starts to deteriorate, that yeah. will change you. Yes. And, and so as we're changing, compatibility obviously has to change. But you hear people say, this isn't the same person I married. Well, of course he isn't. Of course she isn't. <laughs> mm. uh, then we also believe that healthy couples avoid conflict. True. And that's, yeah. again, not true. Yeah. Healthy mm-hmm. couples know how to work through conflict mm-hmm. and healthy couples know how to reconcile. And I'm convinced the better you get at reconciliation, the, the shorter that window becomes. Like you, you don't need as long of a time out. But all that to say, under the umbrella of drift, mm-hmm. we... And I hear it all the time that most people, and this is a big myth in marriage, believe that it's the big issues that hit a marriage that lead you to divorce. No, it's the little issue. It's the little things Hmm. that you leave unspoken and undone that build up over time that turn into these little atomic bombs, volcanoes going off. Hmm. Uh, There's another big marriage myth under the umbrella of drift. Uh, Shared experiences and shared interests keep us together. And you hear it this way. We just don't have anything in common anymore. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's something far more important than shared interest in marriage. Uh, prioritizing your spouse's interests. That's Philippians 2, 3, and 4, right? Yeah. You know, do nothing out of... of uh, selfish ambition. Selfish ambition, vain conceit, in humility, value others better than yourself. Mm-hmm. How you interact in shared interest is more important than shared interest. Prioritizing your spouse's shared interest more important. And as your spouse changes, okay, they're going to have new interests. There's going to be new things to find in common or to take, you know, interest in. And so we can talk about another dozen myths, but that's really, if enjoying life together is making the choice to walk side by side through the grind of life together, drift is not a choice. Mm -hmm. No one wakes up and says, we're going to drift today. You Mm -hmm. just stopped deciding. So what was natural Mm -hmm. early on, uh, I was at an event in Sioux Falls, South Dakota yesterday, and a couple was getting married yesterday. They were at a date night comedy event Friday night. 
that I did. Too. And I'm just going, what in the world? But I looked, I used them the whole night because I said, a lot of what we're talking about tonight is natural for you. Hmm. Uh, non-sexual touching, uh, quality time, praising one another in public, speaking words of high value over each other. That's natural for you. But 10 years in, 20 years in, you'll need to be intentional with it. Yeah, that's good. And when you're intentional with it, it can feel natural again. Yeah, that's good. That's Ted, really good. do you think we, uh, in your opinion, um, I'm thinking about, because I have a 20-year-old. I know Angela has a... Uh, almost 20. Almost yep. 20. I know Kevin has uh, grown kids. And when you think about that, I feel like that, and I may be completely wrong, but I feel like that kids are being raised and... Uh, being taught either by parents or school or both, there's just this pressure that you have to do well. You got to do well. I mean, mm. exceedingly well. And my question is, when that goes into adulthood, into their mm. corporate life and marriage, do you see that playing a part like, like mate, you said, prolonging that they don't want to fail, so it's better not even try you than nailed fail. It. You nailed it. Yeah, we want our kids to excel in every academic academic and athletic pursuit and endeavor. Like you have to be awesome at everything. everything. Yeah. And uh I'm grateful I had parents that walked alongside me to figure out what I was not good at. My parents knew from an early age I was not an athlete. And when I would ask my dad, why didn't you let me pursue athletics? And this is my dad's response. <laughs> yeah, no. Ted, you lack several things athletes need. Skill, balance, coordination, strength, all of those very important things if you're going to succeed. We, all we knew is you're going to get hurt if you go out there and do any sport. So I didn't have parents to push sports. Yeah. I wasn't good at math. And so when I brought home bad grades in math, my parents didn't pitch a fit with me because mm -hmm. they knew I studied. Mm -hmm. My dad said, if you didn't study, and I think this is what you're really getting at, he said, had you not studied for your math and got a bad grade, your mom and I'd have to talk to you because that would have been a character issue. Right. But you studied and got a bad grade, so it was a competency issue. Mm -hmm. And we realized from an early age, God never gave you a math brain. And, and both my parents are engineers raising wow. this kid. <laughs> and really all God gave me was a mouth. That was it. And, and that's what my dad says. And he it's goes, worked it's well so. for you. <laughs> and my dad says, he goes, from an early age, we prayed that God would redeem your mouth. Because uh, it got you in nothing but trouble. And I think that's the problem today. Parents, uh, one, parents don't know the difference between character and competency. Yeah. They, they, they think if a kid's not good at something, they just got to try harder, try harder, try harder. Mm -hmm. They can try as hard as they want. They're never going to be good at that. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That carries over into adult life. That I just, And you add that to the model they've had mm -hmm. in the marriages all around them going, you know, and they're just piecing this all together and writing messages on their hearts going, didn't work for them, and I bet it didn't work for them because, and so. Yeah, or why do I want a marriage it. if that's what marriage is all about? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. So, Ted, you gave us some of the myths about marriage. Can you give us some of your top marriage hacks? Mm, probably this is my favorite one. <laughs> my two favorite that I share with couples, and, and whatever they come into for counseling or coaching, these are the two I make sure they get on session one. Okay. Uh, so this number is like one, a free counseling session. Yeah, every marriage is a duet in yeah. need of great backup singers. I love that. And when I'm in a room with a couple in conflict, I'm always trying to figure out the other voices in the room. Hmm. And hmm. when your marriage is in drift, you start to listen to other voices. Yeah. And a lot of times you listen to a lot of jaded voices. A jaded coworker mm -hmm. could be a jaded parent, it could be mm -hmm. uh, the wrong music, the wrong movie, the wrong, you know, and sure. you just, Best friend, and, yeah. and what we say at our, 
church in that every marriage is a duet need great backup singers we're constantly pointing to the song of solomon chapter one verse four where the daughters of jerusalem are singing back up for the duet of solomon and the shulamite woman saying we rejoice and delight in you we'll praise your love more than wine mm. and that's what a great backup singer does and you need you don't need a choir you just need a couple mm-hmm. uh, that's why when i drove on the campus here they, uh, I don't know if you know, but you have a big push for groups right now. You see, it's everywhere. You think? I'm, I'm yeah, so it's glad signs you on noticed. the road. I was, I was Pastor on twenty Aaron's in downtown that. Atlanta. I saw <laughs> signs for Bethlehem groups. Uh, but that, that to me, whenever, anytime I think of small groups, life groups, community groups, whatever a church calls them, I think backup singers. You and and here's what I love yeah. about it. You, you have a rough day, and you go into small group at night. And you listen to the other couples. I've, we've all done it. We get out in the car at night after group, and we're like, wow. Mm. <laughs> at least we're not as jacked up as those other <laughs> couples. Because, right. I mean, they're, that's called biblical community. Right. 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 And so a lot of times when a marriage drifts, it's, I can't explain it. I wish I could understand why this is so quick. All I can think of is people want to be validated in their bad decisions. Mm. And so mm-hmm. when a marriage starts to drift, you push away from healthy voices, biblical community. So true. And you run to the voices that are going to be like, oh, I told you this wasn't going to work out. You've right. tried everything. I just want you to be happy. Uh, he's never going to change. She's never going to change. I always love that in counseling. For 30 minutes, somebody will tell me how he's not going to change, not going to change, not going to change. And then and then says, the last 30 minutes, he's changed. He's not the same person. I'm like, well, it's one, it's one or the other. He, right. either, he has the ability to or not. And so you need great backup singers. And then the other hack is with time. If you want to be intentional with time, because we drift with time, we don't spend enough quality time together as couples 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Right. And so we say right after every marriage is a duet in need of great backup singers, every marriage needs a daily delay, a weekly withdrawal and an annual abandon. Mm. You need that 15 to 20 minutes a day of eyeball to eyeball, body yeah. to body. Write that down. That's good. <laughs> Distraction-free, kid-free, tech-free time. can be like a little business meeting. You can discuss heavier topics. I actually encourage couples, keep the heavier topics in the daily delay to protect the weekly withdrawal, which is your date night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that can be 90 minutes plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but get it on the calendar. It can change each week. They, it's up for ours. It's different. Ours is going to be this coming Saturday night before Valentine's. Yeah. And then the annual abandon uh, to get a, a mm. time every year it can be two, three days, can be a week. Uh, as we enter into the empty nest season, it's we're pushing a week with that thing. We're going <laughs> seven to 10 days. I yeah. We're doing, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Sorry. yeah. So just to be intentional <laughs> Rub with it who in. you hang around <laughs> and how you spend your time. Isn't that, yeah. some, isn't that what we tell our kids growing up? Yeah. Yeah. The Sounds success familiar. in your life is going to be who you hang around and how you spend your time. <laughs> well, I just said, my, I told my daughter, you're never going to have a husband, so just get used to it. <laughs> well, see, you're not painting a beautiful picture. Of I, know, I know. It's a joke. It's a joke. I have to get. All right. So one thing I appreciate about you, appreciate about you is that you a lot of this stuff is free on your website. Like the print-offs and, and yeah. like some of the stuff that you're talking about yeah. are things that that we can take and use and give to other people. And I right? even tell churches, you can rip it off our website and put it on yours. Well, that was going to be the other thing. I was like, I don't know if it's legal, but I'm doing it. hundred percent legal. All right, just right, gave cool. permission. We're in the church. We've been We're using it for premier workshops team. for quite a while. Right. I was going to have to slide my card somewhere. And when I see your awkward copy and paste of the Bethlehem logo over the Woodland Hills logo. That's when you're going to lose That's it. when it gets awkward. Nope, I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. 
So Ted, you, uh, what would you say to the couple that's listening to this right now and thinks or suspects that their marriage might be too far gone? What would you say to them to give them hope? So my verse and why I'm at Bethlehem today is Ecclesiastes 9, 9. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. You go five verses before that, mm-hmm. and it says, anyone who is among the living has hope. Mm-hmm. And um, you cannot have a resurrection without a death. And yeah. the couple that tells me their marriage is too far gone I just remind them, if you still believe Jesus is breathing life into dead, lifeless souls, then you must believe he still breathes life into dead marriages. Mm. And he can do that for your marriage. Yeah. What verse is that again? Please ask these 9-4. Mm. But 9-9 nine, nine is the enjoy life with your wife. That's great, Ted. We appreciate all your time here this afternoon. We're Absolutely. looking forward to hearing from you tonight. It's not. Are we oh, Are we done? We are getting there. What? It's 30 minutes has yeah. passed really quickly. Well, we wow. can keep Time talking. Flies, we'd we love to keep fun. going. Because <laughs> the one thing you didn't talk about is, I think it's in your book, uh, Fun Loving You, um, is the whole idea of if you want your marriage to be stronger, buy a trampoline. Uh, it's, it's on like, the cover. It's on the yeah, cover. Darla and I have just like, we're empty nesters now. And b- based on an Amazon problem we have an extra trampoline in our garage no, you that someone's been asking if we would sell them no joke Wait, so you got two for the price of one well we put we sent one to the grandkids that was the idea and then they sent us two so one is going in our house <laughs> so we have yet to set it up it's got to get a little warmer darla uh, darla's in here with and us i right will now. tell you in the georgia heat that uh trampoline material will dry rot they last about three years oh. so can, you use your, so can you use your bed as a trampoline you can <laughs> but yeah it's a different podcast see they're not really getting it the podcast folks aren't like what i'm gonna have to look this book up we'll have some notes in the bio for that also i point out to you that a lot of what ted said we really believe in here yeah um, in fact we've got groups we're in the middle of, of group signups right now uh, but if you're listening to us to this at a later date we will have groups for couples and we also have a ministry called Reengage that's about mm. um, reigniting marriages or restoring marriages. So whether it needs reignition or it needs to be completely restored, we've seen God do miracles in marriage. And it's really just a safe place for couples to start having conversations or learn how to have conversations about the things that matter in their relationship. So mm-hmm. I would point you to that. Um, we'll have notes for that, links to that on our website as well or, or in the notes of this podcast. And uh, just excited about what God's doing here at Bethlehem Church and Marriage. And then we realize as we hear you talk that God is doing some incredible things all over the world when it comes to marriage. And we're just grateful to be a part of it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Ted, thank you so much for joining us. And it was an honor to listen and uh, and learn from you. And I I know our people are going to learn and listen and gain so much wisdom from this podcast and from the Marriage Night. So thank you. Thank you all for having me. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Beyond Sunday. As always, if you have questions or comments, want to give us feedback on these podcasts, you can email us at beyondsunday at bethlehemchurch.us, and we will see you next week.